welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tallon. This is the Creative Innovation Podcast. How you doing, everyone? How's the summer treating you? You're well. Thanks for listening. Good to have you on board as ever. Big show coming up today with Micah Pernell. And the weather is virtuous. Yeah, we've got Selling Virtues coming up. Wonderful project by Micah Pernell Design Studio. Um, Lovely, lovely guy shares the same building as me where our studios are based and numerous cups of tea conversations in the canteen turned into this podcast. As things go, there's a huge organic thread throughout all these episodes. There's always a, there's always a connection, there's always a reason, there's always a chance conversation that leads to these things. It's very rare that I have to go after something. Every now and then I'll see an awesome project and track the person down. But for the most part, there's been a, a lovely organic thread to do in this whole show. So we're going to get deep into that in a minute. We're going to get into the ethical line of advertising with Micah and his wonderful project. Um, a quick thank you to the lovely sponsors of this show that keep it free for you guys, illustrationweb.com, uh, the agency that represent my illustration work and a, a lovely bunch of people representing a wide range of talent, everything from animation to gifts to hand lettering to fashion, illustration and design to live work. Go and have a look, illustrationweb.com, they've got some awesome portfolios, you can filter it down to exactly what you need. And they've got an awesome news section where you can get under the skin of the projects a little bit. You can find out the story, hear from the clients and all the good stuff that comes with that. Really broad, global range, uh, many different offices, many different countries. So go and have a look, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk. Long-time supporter of the show. Uh, again, great with a bunch of people providing all sorts of SEO, social media advice, hosting, domain names, all the good web stuff that you need to be represented in today's digital world with your creative work. So go and have a look. Massive supporters of the show. Uh, they're awesome. They're always open to ideas. They've always worked hand-in-hand. Hand. They shout loud and long about the show, which is very, very valuable for someone who's doing this just out of sheer passion, really. It's a labour of love, and they're a great bunch of people, so go on, have a look, heartinternet.co.uk. We actually had Nick Leach, the marketing director, on the show going back some. I can't remember off the top of my head which episode, but go and have a look. It's all about his time at the advent of the internet and how he's been there and seen the evolution and, and the patterns and the way which people think. So very valuable people to go and have a look at their social channels and all their advice, which is out there. Found it really helpful myself and they've really been a great supporter of the show. Uh, and of course, the fantastic Association of Illustrators, regular supporters of the show. Go and check out what those guys are doing. It's an increasing amount of great things. Panels all over the place are looking to expand out more and more beyond London, which is exciting, I think. So go and have a look at the AOI.com, thanks to those guys also. So what have you been up to? Get some stuff sent over on the social, at Arrest or Mimics, Instagram, Twitter, all the usual channels, or on Facebook. Tag us, speak to us, tell us what you're doing, ask some questions, send us your work. I've had a few approaches recently off the back of the show with people telling me about interesting projects that they're doing, and a couple of those are going to become episodes in the not-too-distant future. So it's all up for grabs. I want to hear from you. That's what this is all about, like I said at the top of the show. It's an organic process. It always has been, and I hope to keep it that way throughout, however long the show runs for. So... Let me know what you're doing. Uh, always very, very keen to hear. It's not just something I rattle off uh, during the episodes. So, I'm not going to bang on any further. Let's have a look. Micah Pernell and his brilliant selling virtues. So, we had this conversation over various cups of tea uh, in the studio canteen. And Micah would tell me about selling virtues and, and his, his vision for this project. And, and I get very excited when I hear these kind of things. So, I can paraphrase it badly or instead I can give you a little bit from the website. Go and have a look, sellingvirtues.co.uk. 
When a psychologist, sociologist and philosopher tell three ad agencies what we need to live well, the results are an ad campaign selling virtues. I just I was I was hooked just with that line. I think it's a nice copy and, and a great message. And then to dig a bit deeper, we're going to repurpose a stack of advertising with help from some of the greatest minds who truly understand the deeper needs of human beings. We'll ask them what do we need to live well, in contrast to what advertising often tells us. Then we'll pair them with these big and glossy, powerful and talented agencies to execute a fun and energetic print campaign for some of the good stuff that we do need on over 35 bus shelters across Greater Manchester. How do you guys feel about advertising? Uh, has it ever made you feel down? Has there been times in your life when you found yourself behaving maybe not so much consciously off the back of an ad campaign, but perhaps subconsciously to the way that society makes you feel? I mean, I've had many conversations in pubs and cafes recently with fellow designers and artists about the moral challenges and the balance we all have to walk in terms of making money and um, making a stand for what you know taking a stand even for what for something that we believe in it's very very interesting stuff going on and I think Mike is a great case study because we are talking about the father of four here so you know uh, it's uh, it's not like he's in a position where he's got money behind him or he doesn't have to do any perceived real work he's actually you know he's 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 worked to his own kind of values over a long long time which will describe and, and explain here and, and you know he's got family to support big family to support so i think it's a very inspiring project and i hope you agree so i could go on forever but that it's an, i think it's quite obvious why i wanted to have this on the show i've had a long-standing interest in graphic activism and using the creative talent for good to to hopefully you know build a better society um so it's, it's intriguing stuff go and have a look like i said sellingvirtues.co.uk they're on all the social channels check out the michael michael pernell design studio also and get us your feedback at arrest all mimics on the social uh quick little extra thanks to the sponsors illustrationweb.com internet.co.uk and the association of illustrators but you find me sitting in michael pernell's studio discussing all these big topics and i hope you enjoy the discussion primary school people thought i could draw i don't think i can draw even now i mean i have a, a little bit of a go at it every now and then post something not too long ago, in fact, I did something. It's my father-in-law, just like a line drawing. It's dead scruffy. Yeah. So kids at school thought that, but I think what I probably noticed was putting a pizza into a shape of a, a letter M. <laughs> so you know, my name is Micah. So I'd uh, I'd just cut one edge and then the other edge, and then there'd be like a, a triangle out the top and two triangles out the bottom, and I'm just eating it slowly, and then this letter appears. And then I keep the shape of the M for as long as possible. So I take the, the legs off it a little bit and the sides <laughs> off it a little bit. And, you know, and that might develop to an M and a P from your surname, Michael Pennell, and it's brilliant. And a pizza or. So yeah. I think that's because obviously I'm doing a lot of work with words and, yeah. and that the pizza from when I was a kid. I remember that. I think, oh, there's a little sign there. And then having kids now myself and just spotting what they get up to with mm. either their food or. You know, how yeah. they play, yeah. wondering what could be. You, know, yeah. you don't know, you, you can't see. But um. No, but it's, yeah, it must be, uh, I guess that's the lovely thing about doing what we do, is that you'll have an appreciation for that, and you'll you'll mm. kind of be, it'll be exciting to see what manifests and mm. what, yeah, what what draws them in. Yeah, that's well, good yeah. though, Peter, yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's like a, a classier version of that alphabet, alphabet spaghetti stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> making my own. <laughs> Brilliant. And was it? Is it something that you were encouraged to do as family? Be creative. Or would you? I mean, what about your family? Are they creative in any way? I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have said so. Really, no, not at all. Not, not, no kind of like artists in in the family that I'm aware of. Uh, my dad was a minister of a church, and my mum was a stay at home mum. Yeah. And so, 
yeah, I think that was the other side of my working practice is the kind of like interest in wisdom literature, which comes from the Bible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working with quotes a lot. Uh, probably got a lot of that from the book of Proverbs, which is one of the books, one of the 66 books of the Bible. And they're just like a stack of one-liners, stacks and stacks of one-liners. Mm. Um, things like iron sharpens iron. Yeah. So people sharpen people from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the combination of, of that upbringing and just the natural thing that came out when I was eating pizza yeah. come together. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, kind of like, kind of dovetailed me into what I do. Yeah. What I do now. Well, was, I mean, did you, was there a point when that kind of manifested itself? In a, in, a, in a tangible creative form like did you what, was there a point where you kind of went okay design is a way to make sense of this or was it just I mean I, I just love that haphazard journey a lot of people have because it's very hard to know yeah. what how to sort of point your creativity isn't it yeah design was a way to avoid exams for me mm. yeah um, one particularly academic my dad still laughs at the fact that I came out of primary school with 11 certificates one was for reading and the rest were for sport. Yeah. You know, no kind of math, science, English, mm. arithmetic, nothing like that. And so, um, so yeah, very, very sporty. And that's all I kind of wanted to do was just run around. At high school, I just wanted to run around, you know. <laughs> I ran, ran to the football pitch at break at dinner, yeah. afternoon break, after school. So I wasn't that interested in, uh, you know, getting through mm. academia and, aiming for what could be in the future I lived for the moment and loved loved playing football I wasn't particularly amazing or anything but um, yeah so then it was uh, what you're going to do after school I don't want to do exams so I didn't do A levels so the other options were kind of in the arts I did look at being a stuntman just for (laughs) (laughs) in the careers advisor they were like okay let's have a look at that and um yeah, yeah, scaling walls and stuff. So you need to be like uh, amazing in about five different different sports: a motorsport, a martial yeah. art, um, something else. And uh, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So that's why I was like, "Oh, stuntman," you know. Um, but I did end up going to a graphic design course, national diploma. I didn't have enough level of GCSEs to get in. In fact, mm. needed four Cs. And I had three. Yeah. But I turned up anyway on open day to apply. And mm. the lady looked at me and then looked at the course leader and went, Oh, Mary, he's only got three C's. <laughs> and she looked at me and went, Oh, we'll let him in. Really? <laughs> Fantastic. So that's... I was away to play football at break time for the next two years. There you go. That's brilliant. <laughs> and do, do a little bit of work on the, you know, along the way. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I had this ability to kind of turn out a lot of work in a short space of time. So yeah. I didn't do very much, but when I needed to hand something in, I kind of jumped on the photocopier and kind of like banged out loads of stuff. Yeah, made it look like so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I was kind of interested in text and, and stuff. And then Salford University, doing a high national diploma of graphic design, kind of just wove my way through and mm-hmm. then moved to, kind of went sideways and went into art. And did yeah. visual art and culture at Salford University, so yeah, yeah. I mean, well, well, your practice now kind of straddles the two, doesn't it? I mean, it is quite 
seems like it's quite a uh, quite a diverse array of practices within what you do mm. on any given day, just from what I've seen my popping in here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's ace. I was chatting to uh, James O'Connell recently about um, whether you should kind of like do one thing and do that one thing very well. And I'm like, I just love the variety of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, from book design to doing someone's tattoo to, as in designing it, um, to, to all sorts of stuff, doing like guerrilla campaigns for, for people and um, posters. And yeah, it, it's pretty varied. Yeah. Looking at, uh, I'm doing something on belonging at the moment, which is like an artistic commission. And, and then doing identity and branding elsewhere. Mm. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. My, my art teacher said I was too graphic and my graphics teacher said I was too arty, so I was just like somewhere in between. It's classic, and, isn't uh, it? Yeah, I, I love that. I, I think what happened was like, I did all right in a, you know, out of university, working in the restaurant, and I picked up a bit of work freelance in one area. So I was like, oh, this is going, going all right for me. So like, I'm... I'm a graphic designer, I think. I think I'm a graphic designer. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, this is paying, you know. So, and it was often in the arts, you know, whether it was like music or theatre or books, literature, that sort of, that was the kind of stuff I was doing the graphic design for. So that's what my website said, graphic designer. And then I was getting a few more commissions on the art thing because I was doing my own personal art on the side. So I was getting commissions that way. And not as much graphic design. So I was like, oh, right, I'm an artist. Yeah, okay. I never really thought that was very cool, but okay, I'm an artist. So then my website says I'm an artist and then that kind of dropped down and I was like, oh no, maybe I should be both, you know, and I started picking up both. And, yeah. and there's always that question of what do you put on your, on your site? Do you mix it up? Do you say you want, does it, does one inform the other or does, or does it kind of like look like you don't know what you're doing? But mm. I've just come to the conclusion that it's fine to yeah. put them both there. They do inform each other and um, I think that's a positive thing. I think so. I think I think ultimately, like a lot of things, it only can come down to you and your character and personality and what and you know that you sound like someone like myself that that loves the variation and and, and I don't flip too much. I stop myself from doing that, but but I, I'm not afraid to kind of go roaming more into something that's writing led or mm. you know and let one take the other. I go on feeling a lot of the time now, but as you say, it's the packaging that is it can be a nightmare, can't it? Because you think, well, shit, do I start losing illustration work if I start bringing in all these other bits of writing and people get cold feet because they think I'm too varied and mm. you're always trying to second guess what someone's looking in and seeing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the fear, I suppose, isn't it? Which is, yeah, a shame that you have that, but maybe it'd be better to just to ignore all that, do your own thing and people, you know, people, people invest in kind of like you rather than what you produce sometimes. Yeah. So if they're like you, yeah. they'll get you involved in stuff. Yeah, for where you think yeah, yeah, your approach yeah. to various things. Yeah, yeah, as well as the work, of course. Yeah, but you yeah. know, I think again, there's, there's no, there's not a right answer, is there? You got you know, you got then you got your hyper specialists who just do that one thing fantastically well, and that again, you can see. I always think when you meet someone where that's right, you see it straight away. You, you talk yeah. to them for five minutes, and it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and that is right. It's not. There's no right or wrong. Yeah, no, no that's it. So. I was wondering, you know, but in terms of getting the work, do you have do you have a, an, an organic approach? You know, you mentioned about the variation. Is it is it is it something where you, conversations tend to come around and and you follow those leads? So I don't know. I mean, do you market? I'm just interested. I'm always interested with people who are very varied about how they actually attain such projects. 
I think it's it all tends to be word of mouth. Mm. Or fluke. Yeah. I think everything I've done is fluke. I got into college by fluke, didn't I? You know. <laughs> so um But then I, I always play devil's advocate, like you say, I always say like the, the fact you were willing to turn up and have a go. It's like you forced the fluke, you know, you you, you yeah. met the fluke halfway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you went yeah. there and, and were open to change. Yeah, you gotta turn up, you know? haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've got to turn up. <laughs> uh, so pushing doors. But I've never been a pushing doors, climbing ladder sort of character. It just mm-hmm. like waited for stuff to come to me, which has probably got its negatives for me. It had its negatives. Um, but I was always content with the day that I had, whatever day it was, you mm. know. And uh, and stuff came my way, and I'd do that to the best of my ability, and then someone would see that or talk about it or know the person and something else would turn up. Um, and I'd never worked for an agency or a design company, so I was always able to say yes to a variety of stuff mm-hmm. because I had the time to do it. Working through the restaurant at the, at the time, and um, it was dead useful because I could just drop shifts, work nothing for a month or so, and then come back or just do the odd shift here and there, and I could oh, okay. invest all this time into a project and then back to the restaurant and uh, I kind of stayed in the restaurant I think because of that that ladder that seems to be forced upon everyone that we all need to adhere to climb the ladder go there mm. success is at the top uh, you know and um, I just kind of rejected that idea and said I need to be just happy where I am right here right now mm-hmm. you know and um, I enjoyed it you yeah. know and still do uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't I found that I had I'd place this one, like you say, it's one thing on the horizon, and I'm working towards it. And you're right, the minute you do that, I think you, you, you like we said about chance, you, you shut yourself off from that immediate, the immediacy of an opportunity presenting itself and, and feeling good about it and, and going for it without truly knowing where it's going to lead. Mm. And that, yeah, scary stuff. But it, it kind of, you know, it triggers this sequence of events, I find, and actually, I like the, I like the thrill more and more now of where it's going to take me, and it, it's... Place. Yeah, there's a bit of mystery in there, and you can end up all, all sorts of places. I think heard it said, it was Richard Raw said, uh, expectations are like resentments waiting to happen. Yeah, you know, so, <laughs> you know that's if, a great. If it don't come man. off. Yeah, then you're like, oh. Whereas if you have no expectations, then you could go anywhere, and you, you can. go left, right, sideways, backwards, through a black hole, and come yeah. out with something you didn't expect. Yeah, that's it. And you're right, actually, but the, the ladder thing. I find students, you know, they did. A lot of them now come out of uni and they used to, no, I say now, which is probably an age old thing, but I, I hate that perception of having to do anything other than uh, anything in what you've trained for as a failure because it's absolutely not. You know, you mentioned their part time, well, full time job, I guess, but mm. they're very valuable. That flexibility of shifts, that's a golden thing at that stage of your career to, mm. to, have, to be able to do that and, and meld the two to, to whatever's going on. So that's crucial. Whereas, like you say, if you suddenly the ladder thing in the next yeah, job, yeah, yeah. you're working your balls off, and for what? It's like, and it's an, I find it's an idea of success and not success to you in your heart, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a big, big difference. I know? think what I had then was a lifestyle which I was quite happy with, mm. and that was a success in itself. You know, working night shifts, going out, having a few beers late nights, yeah. and uh, and that was all good. You yeah. know, for as long as I wanted it to be like that. You know, and it feeds creativity, doesn't it? If you're enjoying that and you're having invigorating conversations with people great because you're going to wake up feeling good there's excitement there and you mm. might get new ideas and whatever and one thing feeds the next it's that idea that work is work and like no yeah, yeah. You have to, yeah the separation needed but 
And it didn't stifle creativity because that was happening behind the scenes regardless. It wasn't like, oh, I'm doing too many hours and I can't do anything. It was just in me to just produce. It was mm-hmm. just in me to just, like, splurge stuff on paper or, you know, or yeah. on the screen and, just, and you know, just make something. Yeah. Um, get the paint out or, you know, so. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about advertising. I mean, it's a broad scope, but yeah. what, 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 are the, what are the origins of these feelings that we'll get into talking about? Shortly about uh, about selling virtues, but what is there? A, is there a conscious point when you became aware that of this disdain, or is it something you'd noticed from early on? I think when I started studying the graphic design, uh, it felt like I had to be coercive, and it just didn't sit well. Um, you know, again with that upbringing uh, and the things that I particularly kind of like honed in on when I was reading stuff in the Bible was like let your word be your word and 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 not necessarily being coercive and being straight with people and honest and true and all those sorts of things and I know like you get older and you realise there's loads of greyness but I think everybody in your youth comes to life in a bit of a black and white view with whatever it is and then you kind of realise there's greyness but yeah so, so in, in college times it just felt too coercive and then when you look into it and see um, these sparkly things on the billboards which are not bad in and of themselves but don't really do anything for you other than kind of like give you a sense of you know if you buy into them a sense of one-upmanship some of it has like you know you could argue it has a lot of purpose in terms of identity and uh sitting yourself within a culture or a family in that sort of sense, which you could argue is not a negative thing. So I wouldn't say that all of advertising is bad necessarily. We kind of do it, don't we, ourselves in many ways. We're kind of advertising our own idea um, with how we live. Um, but yeah, you know, does what it says on the tin. Yeah. It's not, I'm not so against. Uh, it's more the lifestyle, fashion stuff that kind of creates... Mm. A bar that's maybe too high. Yes. In fact, I've heard um, that uh, it might be in the art world, it could be in any world. They'll they'll create a product for uh, maybe say the super rich, but they'll market it to everybody that can't afford it. They could then desire it, and the super rich now want it because it's desired elsewhere. Wow! Yeah. And so there's just subtle kind of cleverness yeah. is behind the scenes yeah which you got a question you know you go into the supermarket for an onion and a carrot and you come out with an onion and a carrot and a bar of chocolate and a couple of other bits and bobs and i've i think i, I got into peter rollins's work he's a philosopher and uh, he he taught me maybe how to critique my own behavior a little bit and uh, so i started like watching myself all right, I walked into that supermarket. I came out with these things. Why did I do that? I was, it was placed where it was. We know about supermarket placements and they put things in certain areas. Mm. You know, the things that you need are furthest away. So you've got to pass that, how many kind of like aisles to get to it. And um, So, yeah, you know, I just I realised that I needed, or I felt I needed to treat myself regularly. So then I'm asking, why do I need to, why do I feel like I need to treat myself so often? Is that bad? Not necessarily, but... Um, just interesting in a consumer setting that these things are maybe more prevalent than mm. if you are wandering through a field. You know, yeah. you don't need that thing that at the same time you've just picked up and bought. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So I you kind of like, um, I wanted to do an exhibition or a kind of, a, what do you call it, an exhibition? Uh, a project where I set up a corridor of messages and they're all kind of like trying to encourage you in a particular way. Uh, and And they'd be telling you one thing and they'd all be similar sort of messages but lots of them and get the people to walk from one end to the other. And so they go in blank and they come to the end of the set of messages and ask them how, you know, if it's affected the way they think. But it's kind of like the city in itself. You walk into the city, the stacks of messages, it's going to affect you. you know? mm-hmm. um, but what, what interests me, if, we, if, if those messages were something different, it has also an effect, but maybe for something that could give to the person rather than take from them. Yes. And what they're taking is just a bit of cash out of your pocket, yeah, and maybe trying to sell you an idea. You know, this um, John Burgess said, um, I've got it in front of me in a poster, I put it over the top of a H&M image of a, of a character in a, yeah, sort of fashion fashion piece. It just says, the spectator buyer is meant to envy herself as she will become if she buys the product. (laughs) She is meant to imagine herself transformed by the product into an object of envy for others. And envy which will then justify herself, justify her loving herself, one could put it another way. The publicity image or the advert steals her love of herself and offers it back at the price of the product. Mm. So, yeah, that's one of the one of the things that yeah. kind of you, you, you spot and see. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? I, I feel like it's not like Oh, I saw the why. It's not. It's nothing to do with that because there's so much subliminal going on here. But I don't know whether it was the things I was reading, the things I was finding at college and discovering. Um, Fight Club. That's that's a big example. I, I fell in love with the film mm. and, the, and the, subsequently the book and that whole idea of rejecting consumerism. Mm. They're not completely. I'm as guilty as the next person who wanted a nice Same lady here. night shirt. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah. But it, but I always felt like I was consciously aware of the lie. I was I was laughed at the the Beckham and his kecks for, for whoever it was. You know, at the time. Um, and the six pack, the high contrast six pack, and all that stuff, and I just found it hilarious that, and I, I, I almost sent it the other way where I was like, I'm really not bothered. Mm. I feel sharp, and I'm healthy enough to, you know, and I'm, and I'm, that's by the by. But you know, it's, I, I always felt like I was very aware of that, and, and I almost was from a, quite a young age was already studying the way it affected others, and quite maybe that's the designer in me. I don't, maybe that's the observer, you know, the observer mm. that I feel is a big part of my job. I don't know, or well, my character, I guess, more importantly, but. But it, it was always strange to me that people would be influenced by that. But then not everyone... I had parents that's, that's values were... You know, my mum was quite big into her buddhism at the time. and, mm. and I, So they, those these these values were always, I guess, in in my house and around me. There wasn't much of that consumerism. Mm. My parents always lived quite frugally. So perhaps I was very fortunate in being offered that start. Whereas mm. I guess it's... You mentioned earlier there about people's circumstances and that inferiority... I mean, you know, we mentioned, I mentioned the Hennessy bottle in a rundown area of Woolwich. Mm. It's that like, it's almost that aspiring in the bars too high. That, that's that's I guess that's it. That's what you know. People who don't have that construct that inner, inner critic, mm. and they are seeking that something. They don't have that identity. They're seeking it, and that's when it becomes really destructive because you know I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling, but you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know I, I think we're all seeking some kind of heaven. Like not not after death, some kind of like utopia here and now. This idea of happiness or freedom from fear, mm. um, which is potentially attainable, but obviously the 
that advertisers, you know, tell you that you are something without this product and then with it you'll be have that freedom. So they create the fear by telling you that, you know, is it halitosis was the uh, the name they created for bad breath. Yeah. You know, uh, it was just a completely made up name and didn't exist prior to that bad breath. It didn't exist. Yeah. But now, oh no, have you got halitosis and oh, your breath smells. And so therefore, oh crap, does my breath smell? Wow. Let's get some Listerine. Listerine sounds very scientific, doesn't it? You know, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I never questioned that either, the halitosis. I didn't know that. I just, that's just something I heard around. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it's no, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a fallacy. Thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, there you go. But yeah, so I think we're I think we're all seeking that, aren't we? And we'll get glimpses of uh, of of heaven now, you know, in moments. I don't think they kind of last forever. But yeah. if it's in a relationship and a good conversation, or yeah, um, you know, some kind of touch, whether it's with people or with with nature, or yeah, there's moments of it, and when they're there, they're usually without product or. Yeah. Uh, you know anything yeah. some things can help can't they it's great to wander around the city with a set of headphones in and yeah you know completely or your own little pleasures yeah those own little yeah. things like the minute I'm absolutely loving going and doing the cooking or washing up or, or cleaning the bathroom and just putting on a podcast and just losing myself in that moment it's mm. just a personal little pleasure of mine and it's uh, it's very nice like you say it doesn't you know I don't I don't know it's just, that's yeah, just, yeah. just for me and it is in that moment it's beautiful it doesn't yeah, last yeah. You know. I think those practices can help draw you out of that consumer setting as well, and like your folks or your mum with the Buddhism, it can it can bring you back to start, bring you back to simplicity, and then move out from there. Mm, I think so. You, like, there's a bit you, you mentioned there that, that I can't remember if it was on the website or on the on the talk that you sent, but um, it was a bit about just looking around everyday life, you know, and drawing yourself out of that. The things are presented within town, and just looking at people around you. And, that kind of having the happiness and the life that's going on, that's yeah. something quite powerful. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to be intentional, don't you, to take your eyes away from the screens and the and the adverts that are around so often. You're walking through because we're working in the city, obviously. Uh, it's like banging the sensor. There's uh, there's messages drawing you and kind of entice you all over the show. But if you just kind of like draw yourself back in and look around, I I, I notice that when people meet. Like, just walking down the street, a person on their own, they're kind of wondering where they're going in their own little world. As soon as they bump into someone they know, there's like a moment, mm. that first moment, and it's quite a, a lovely thing to see, and it's usually, uh, there's usually a smile there, and that smile just lifts your spirits, and something chemical, you know, kind of dopamine's released, and there's a, a little beautiful moment there, and that can make mm. me smile when I see other people join like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's lovely. So, yeah, little moments of heaven here and yeah. there and everywhere. There yeah. are, there are, and I, and I find it's something I'm trying to apply, like I touched upon earlier, to my creativity these days. Instead of having these big things, that I'm, yeah, we're all, we, you've got to have some goals, you've got to have some structure. Yeah. But I'm just trying to find more of enjoying that each day. Like cool today, like I mentioned, I get to sit down, listen to a good podcast, lose myself some solitary drawing, or mm. tomorrow I might get to come visit a cool studio and have a conversation about someone's adventure. That that's does it need to be anymore? Because I feel that it's always very organic, and you always have to be watching out for the clues as to where you're going next. Mm. I think a lot of that is about control as well. We often want to have everything neat and packaged and tidy, and we mm-hmm. know, you know, obviously you want to know when your next pay packet's coming so you can pay the rent and the mortgage and get yeah. food on the table. But beyond that, um, yeah, you kind of we we have this little space of control, but just to just to kind of throw the day 
around a little bit and go, okay, let's do something different, take a different route. Yeah. That's okay, there's a bit of an adventure in there. You know, For a while I was walking through the city and I'd try and take a different route every single time. Yeah. And I was going from the same place to the same place. But yeah. I'll go, okay, I'm going a different way. See what you see, see what you find. Yeah, yeah. Having an adventure in the, in the smallest, <laughs> tightest little area. You know, yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, again, what, you know, what's... You can't really lose, can you? You don't know what. Yeah, again, it's just change as well. It's just energizing the mind, if nothing mm. more. It's good. So, buying advertising space. When did that begin? Tell us about about that. Um, yeah, was it about eight years ago or so? Um, I had started with um, little cards. There's a poet called Carol Batten that I met in uh, in Night and Day a long time ago. And uh, she used to pass around poetry to people left, right and centre. And um, she had some inspired kind of like writings and some of them maybe not so, but she she had them all on different coloured paper and she just, it's like she picked them out specific to you. She must have like sent something and decided that you deserved, or not deserved, but you, you know, you would have this, that and the other. Whether she wanted to tell me something or share something, I don't know, you know. But she did it with everybody, you know, just yeah. like this plastic bag of... Wow. stuff that she'd pass around and I was like oh cool like you can share your idea you can share what you think you have and you know I might have shared some that people didn't like disagreed with and um, uh, and, and that's part of it you know you, you, you give it a crack you put something out there in the public realm and people go I'm not into this so you're like okay let's tailor it or let's move it to a different place or, or no uh, I want to keep giving this sort of thing out and um, so I made these little little business cards which would say stuff like a generous man will prosper he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed or like pulling out these lines out of the bible I just thought you know it, it's got a lot of bad press because media uh, and news polarise stuff and bring out the worst sometimes in stuff so uh, I suppose I wanted to go do you know what there's some good stuff in there as well and if you're a bit mad then you, you'll go mad from anything you read or whatever you know you can use anything to yeah to, for evil but um there was just some good stuff in there so like just to lighten people's days um so i just made them as uh as small cards and um and then there's like a practice in christianity to give 10 percent of your of your earnings to um to something and it's kind of common practice to give it to the church and they do loads of good stuff with homelessness and and so on and so forth. And I think that's great as a practice. It kind of dethrones money, shows you you can do something else, shows you you can live with less. And um, got to the point where I was like, do you know what, I might just take this and put it into advertising space and put it there. This is why I was in the restaurant. It's not like I was earning loads, but I'm like, I'll save up a couple of months and uh, let's put these little cards onto a fly poster mm. and just have them go out. I didn't put a link or a tag or a name or anything like that, mainly because I thought I could get a really big idea when people start knowing it's me and yeah. my name's on it and all the rest of it. So for a couple of years, I didn't put anything on it. Um, and then I went to the Arts Council to do something a little bit bigger and uh, they gave me some funding, but not until I'd kind of like... Well, first of all, I applied and they kind of said, you meet all the requirements, but we're not going to fund you. There's other stuff available, but if you want some feedback, do let us know. So I went back to them and said, like, what's what's the score? And they're like, well, we're not sure people will be able to interact with this work as a piece of art because it's got no links or tags. People might think it's a teaser campaign for Nike mm. or whatever. So I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. So I personalised it, put my name on it, and um, that was the Dear Progress series. 
which was uh, 21 billboards around Manchester with seven different quotes. And, um, but, um, so yeah, so it was, it was about putting something in place of advertising that did the kind of opposite advertising to, you know, wants you to part with your cash and, and get you to agree with their ideal in order for, mm. for, for you to part with the cash essentially, you know? Yeah. And, um, I just wanted to put some of that, something that, that just blessed the, the spectator, the viewer, the person that passed. Mm. And sometimes I was completely self-indulgent, and I just put uh, something really like a. Um, I think there's a line, out of the Lord's Prayer, which is just on earth as it is in heaven, and I'm all about like now, not afterlife. Just yeah, yeah. So, what heaven might be like now here on earth, and like work towards that sort of thing. So it's just on earth as it is in heaven, and that's all it said. And it was really small on a big sheet of paper. Yeah. And maybe no one saw it because it's so... So that was me being like a little bit self-indulgent. I'm like, do you know what? Just do your own thing here. It's okay. You don't have to like everyone yeah. to see the stuff. And other stuff was... Right, it's a fly poster. It's this big. Do I want people to see it on the other side of the road? Do I want traffic to see it? And that kind of like the mix of the art and the graphic design started to play mm, together because I was looking at how advertising works you know you've got something like seven words in three seconds when you know vehicles passing a post and stuff like that so that's all in there so you you know that was before the day progress series and they i had some criticism saying well you know about advertising so aren't you just duping people into another idea and i was like that's really interesting that and that's when the day progress stuff started to analyze the you know self-analytical critique you know, why do I go into the shop and come out with something else? Mm. And um, that kind of broadened the the scope. But even still, that body of work that went out was using graphic design skills, but with, like, philosophical, theological kind of uh, yeah. interests. So I don't know whether you call it art, graphic design, or it's just a merging of the two. Mm. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's wide open. To, it doesn't matter, does it? No, yeah, no. There is something nice, because, you know, it's that kind of... You said they're like they're on earth as it is, is in heaven. It's the kind of thing you almost expect to just see scribbled in marker on a side street somewhere, but actually, some some type, you know, taking it and putting it in that context where you're used to seeing the H and M, whatever it might be, yeah, yeah. something quite beautiful about that. Something that, and as you say, it is it's just there with a purpose. Yeah, okay, there might be an idea, it might be your idea, but still, that if that idea is wholly positive and it is done to make someone feel good or to, to, to you know, then I think kind of raise the bar a little bit on what we're kind of having conversations about and well that's it and what and, and what's interesting about all this is you know like you said from the off this isn't going out and just condemning all of advertising it's more about it's the, it's the how did you know how is it done and how does it how does it make someone feel and then the difference between wants and needs you mm. know which is a big thing and, and if it's done to raise the bar to people who can't attain that then it's, it's bad but actually if it's something that people can own and i don't know you know it's like you said there's a lot of grays mm. And I think that's important, you know. I mean, tell us about it. Tell mm. us about what was well, the yeah. I mean, I I, I did um, keeping keeping my uh, my game up. I suppose I, I went and did the school of thought um, advertising course, ideas course, not too long ago. It was the first course, maybe a year or so ago. And uh, I kind of went in to infiltrate and to you know <laughs> as a bit of a spy. I mean, I, you know, obviously they were like, "Why are you here?" And I'm like, "Actually, I'm anti-advertising." And I was. I came through that, and I was like, "I'd rather the whole city had nothing or just pictures of the sky on a billboard," mm. you know, and that, that'd be fine. So everyone chuckled or whatever. But we got to go and see, 
you know, McCann and TBWA and loads of different agencies and, and meet the people and they'd give us a talk and we'd do a brief and we had to have it back three days later. So you were learning the skills, like maybe more so than I'd learned at college 20 years ago or whenever it was. And um, and there's just people there, you know, real people like you and me and um, nice guys, nice girls and, you know, feeding the families or just mm. making a living and although the structure of capitalism, consumerism and advertising might not be great, the people within it are just like you and I and yeah. it I can I can come from a very cynical place, but when you meet the people it's hard to, you know, condemn them. And so, um yeah, I mean, truly talented people there, and it, you know, you could argue it's an art form. Yeah. Really clever, you know, interesting stuff. And I, I just got to thinking, you know, what, how great would it be if we've got those skills behind maybe some of the ideas that I've done, but executed by some of the greatest kind of agencies. Um, and it's it's kind of what I've been doing. And I got the idea from Alan de Baton, who who said wouldn't it be great if somebody got the greatest thinkers you know the philosophers the psychologists who know deep down what we as people need and take that information to the greatest advertising agencies and get them to execute some mint campaign mm -hmm. for whatever they might come up with it could be generosity it could be community it could be laughter it could be who knows what they'd come up with and that's the scary thing as well like what they're going to come up with and then what's the agency going to come up with so um i'm kind of like project managing this thing and i don't know the outcome but i can see something amazing yeah. you know in my mind like so we've got oliver james um confirmed and a sociologist so oliver james is a psychologist uh written affluenza and a bunch of books uh, in this area as well, uh, uh, Anne Cronin is a, a sociologist, uh, writes about cities and advertising really well up on her stuff, and then agencies, we've got Havas Links, Global Agency, um, Healthcare Agency of the Year at Cannes this year, um, Creative Concern, local, 30 strong agency um, that have a real interest in the ethical side of advertising, so that's really key that they're involved and Tiger Savage whose CV is just phenomenal you know doing the links effect mm. um, and maybe some of the stuff that I'd question uh, but why not get people on board yeah. you know um, she launched Vogue online worked with Nike Adidas mentored under Paul Arden you know some some great great characters so I'm sure I'm sure it it could be an amazing kind of finished piece. So there'll be three, there'll be three kind of ideas from the thinkers that I'll put into a brief for each of the agencies' creatives to execute, with a little bit of branding in sense of uh, color and style, not style, color and color and uh, and and fonts, mm -hmm. so that when the three pieces come out, they're part of the same body of work, but. You know, Havas will have their own stamp on it, Creative yeah. Concern will have their stamp on it, but still within the same body of work. So, mm. um, yeah, it'd be exciting to see what they come up with. What, yeah. One, what they think uh, we need to live well. And, and two, the methodology, the, the kind of the practice of how the advertisers kind of uh, attempt to coerce to something good, you know, yeah. or to, to encourage 
um, you to live well to get to where you want to get that moment of heaven yeah and um, and then is that a bad thing if we're coercing for something good I don't know so methodology is something that's still up for debate and we'll have a conversation uh, where we'll discuss you know even even so Alan de Paton says that it's not advertising the problem it's the product but I was kind of say that okay it might be for a charity but the way you do it might still be questionable yeah, you might be using you know fear again, or you know um, just underhand means. So where's that bar? How do we kind of like uh, keep the advertising agencies on their toes to yeah. kind of respect uh, the people that they're advertising to, with mm-hmm. you know, but still do their job. Yeah. So that's kind of what the whole thing's. Fantastic. About. One story I, I wanted to, uh, if you could just retell, I'll paraphrase. The was the um, just. I mean, just want, I just thought it was important to illustrate the power of advertising. But the smoking story uh, that just really kind of hit me for six. The uh, getting women to smoke. Yeah. If so you, I forgot to remember the dates and stuff, but it was nineteen twenty-eight. Um, around the time Edward Bernays, who was Sigmund Freud's nephew. Uh, had uh, moved over to America, and uh, he was using his his kind of like his uncle's skills to uh, essentially manipulate the masses. And he, he even said that that was possible to manipulate the masses in desirable ways. And so he had uh, George Washington the Hill, the president of the American Tobacco Company, came to him and said, "You know what? Only blokes smoke. What can we do?" What can we do? Because like we can make a stack of cash this way. Mm. Um, so he he employed a guy called A. A. Brill, who was probably one of the first psychoanalysts of the time in America, and um, they devised a plan, which was to announce to the press that there was a bunch of suffragettes um, about to kind of like make a stand, but as it happened, it just employed a bunch of debutants to uh, go along to the uh, Easter parade in New York, but on his command, they would light their torches of freedom, which was his line that he tagged next to the Statue of Liberty, you know, and um, and so if you wanted to stand equal with men, then you'd need to smoke, and that's how it kind of began. You know, so it's... Yeah. it's um, so that's, that's one thing, and then the other story that I tell, um, which is just the power of what we class as the norm, which is kind of like on TV, you know, the visual nature of, of advertising and, and television, what, what we class as the norm or whatever. Um, it was 1995 when TV was first ever introduced to uh, the island of Fiji, which seems like not that long ago, 95, you know, TV came. Mm. Uh, but within three years, the, the first reports of bulimia and anorexia um, because they had a new norm in their eyes. And so they were having, you know, it was just a powerful thing that, that changed the way they behaved, which was a real mm. shame. Um, so maybe not everybody's being represented, one in advertising, one in TV. And, yeah. and a change there would be mm-hmm. kind of just fruitful for everybody because the, the, the vast kind of like uh, body shape is just, you know, it's so yeah. broad. Mm-hmm. So broad. Oh, good, yeah. And it's just an it's an illustration of the I think the responsibility we all have to take to question as well. I've had a, a number of conversations with people recently, you know, about 
who some have turned down certain bits of work um, with agencies because they didn't they didn't like the message, they didn't feel you know in any way good about it, so they turned down the work, which is it's a bold move because you know we have we have to make money to live, and that's the system we live in, and it and it's you know I mean you're you're a father right you, you, mm. yeah and you know so I mean I mean in terms of that it must be fucking you know I don't know it's scary being aware of all this stuff and attuned to that you know I mean God you must. How do you feel about the way, you know, about your kids being exposed to, to all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, my kids have got, like, Cindy's um, because they were passed down from my mum. And, um, you know, just chatting to my eldest, who's 10 now, and just, I suppose, talking about it is, like, a really important thing, so they're knowledgeable when they get to the age where that might have more power. At the moment, you know, what's in the home is probably the most important thing to them. Mm. So, but having those open conversations about, you, you, have you spotted the shape of this you know and also putting it on them to imagine rather than just telling them because I think once you if you just tell somebody something you can hear it but it, they've not necessarily imagined it so I'd say like look at the shape of the Cindy look at the shape of the person okay so they're looking and they're imagining yeah are they are they the same no what's different they they're learning to critique yeah you know and then they'll you know, sometimes sometimes I go past a, a billboard and they're like, ooh, look. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I have to, like, rein in and go, do you know, not everything's bad, you know, and try and get that balance because they're very black and white at the moment because that's, course, yeah, as children. we grow up, we're like, yeah. oh, I heard one thing and that's a blanket yeah. for everything, so. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think talking about things and, and yeah. keep, keeping that open conversation going. Yeah, it's right, and I, I always, you know, I don't know. I've always got the mind of an optimist, and I, I, always, I guess it's just the way I'm wired. I always have done, but I like to think that if enough people make noises, when you know, whether it's someone in an agency, a freelancer, if they when they disagree with something, if they're vocal about that, and, and in a nice way, but respectfully put across why something's wrong, then you hope that that's how we inspire a change of thinking. Mm. You know, and with projects like yours, the hope is that actually, you know, they're, they're not, they're, like you said, the people are people, they're only living in these agencies, they're not the devil, it's like, but with, uh, you know, it's mass thinking, isn't it, we, we, hopefully we all consider a little mm. bit more and we think about feelings and we think about why certain groups of people become unhappy or vulnerable, uh, and, it, and it's a positive change, mm. I hope. And I think there's, uh, there's something to be said for those small actions as well, I heard it said that uh, it wasn't Martin Luther King or, or Gandhi that changed the world. It was an idea that he was centuries earlier and they saw like an injustice and someone had a chat about it and went, oh, that's a bit out of order, that over there, isn't it? And they're like, yeah, it is. And someone overheard that conversation and relayed that conversation to somebody else who then went and acted on it in a very small, minute way and somebody mm-hmm. else acted on it because they saw it and they were like, oh, right, other people are acting on it. And then Rosa Parks does the thing on the bus and goes, I'm not kind of like going to stand up. And then somebody sees that and stuff starts moving and then somebody's in place to drive it forward. I don't mm. want to be that place, be yeah. that person. You know, I never have necessarily wanted to be like the figurehead of, of yeah. something, but do a little thing, be a cog and the, you know, the thing that works towards that. I think yeah. we can all do something in that way. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like this big, scary thing then. Just yeah. chipping away, chipping away. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I, mean, I think this is a really, really fascinating project. So I'm very excited to see it unfold and where it goes. Yeah, be interesting yeah, to see. Best of luck with it. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to Micah for taking the time to sit down and uh, and discuss. You know, as as we know, there are a lot of divisions in today's world and society, sadly, and I think that that leads to people feeling angry, frustrated, uh, 
you know, we, as we mentioned, there's a there's a bar that's raised quite high from this vision that we're you know the celebrity culture, the advertising, all the things around, and I think it leads to a lot of unhappiness of people who perhaps haven't had the guidance or had the experience in life to facilitate, you know. You know, kind of critical thinking. That's what I'm looking for. Critical thinking and the the ability to break down why something makes them feel a certain way. Uh, and when you know, when you don't have that, or you haven't had the experience to develop that skill, it can you know, it can be a confusing world because there's so much information coming at us all of the time, and, and all these things we're told that we need to be and in very conceited and, and subversive ways, as that story or the two stories there at the end uh, very sadly illustrate. I think it's quite powerful, particularly the smoking story about you know the suffragettes and. Oh God, that's heavy stuff. You hear that, and you you develop a lot of distrust of the world. And uh, so, I think it's absolutely wonderful and timely that projects like this are happening. So, do go over and support it. Go and check them out, even if you're just spreading the love, sharing the word. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please do get us your feedback at Arrest or Mimics on all social channels. A little thank you to absolutely crucial sponsors who keep the show free at this regularity: IllustrationWeb.com. HeartInternet.co.uk and the Association of Illustrators and uh, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on this one uh, particularly like I said that's the stories at the end there so let us know what you've been up to please let us know of any cool projects you've been up to anything you'd like to hear about on the show at Arrest or Mimics uh, excited about it drop us a little review please if you get a chance on iTunes or Apple Podcasts whatever you want to call it because it's great people who just come across the show get a feel for what you guys are thinking of it and uh, I hope you're still enjoying it like I said feedback always welcome negative positive anything in between so have an awesome week thank you again to Mike Pernal for taking the chance go and check out sellingvirtues.co.uk uh, and have a wonderful time whatever you're up to nice one guys thank you for listening go back archive all up there as ever soundcloud itunes uh, stitcher wherever you get your podcasts thank you take care see you later guys